Again, I'd like to say welcome. Welcome you could be here. And actually thank you for this honour to be able to preach to you all today. And I have this firm belief that actually when we come up and preach, we're preaching the word of God for this day, for us, and for this week as well. And I believe all preachers should be based on that, that actually that is what God is saying to us for this community for that day. And that's because I believe that God is not a silent God, he's an active God, he's an outspoken God, he's a God who actually is involved in the world. And I've been reminded of that a lot more recently. We've been reading a book by um, C.J.H. Wright. He's got a lot of initials, I forget. But um, it's called The Mission of God. It's looking at the idea of actually how God has been active in the world, going from the Old Testament all the way through to the New Testament, and what is still to come. Just in mind of actually how active God is in our lives and our world. And so today we're going to be looking at the idea of actually what, what has God got to say to us this morning. And so the passage we're going to look at is actually Romans 5, verses 1 to 11. You up on the overhead today? No, it's not on the overhead. Okay, so it's Romans 5, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we are still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him for the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And Lord, I just pray as we come today to hear your word that you'll speak to us, that we'll have open hearts and open ears for you, that actually you'll fill us up with your love and your grace, and that through this we may know more of that. Amen. This passage is written by the Apostle Paul. It was written to actually tell the believers in Rome what salvation was all about. You know, where does our actual faith come from? What's it based upon? And so I want us to look at this passage today, because too often we just we talk about Jesus, don't we? We look, look around, look at some of his teachings, or I might look in some of the other letters... Okay, we are in one of the other letters, but that's only because I think that passage says best what our actual faith is all about, what it means to have faith in Jesus. And one thing that I was reminded of in planning this sermon was actually one time in first year when I sat down with a couple of other students, and we had um, a holiday club to plan. And it was about a month off, and I'd only been at college for a week, and you know, you're thrown straight in with this half-term your October half-term holy club. And I said, what shall we do for a holy club? We have no clue. And they're going like, mm, and ah, and they just can't work it out. And they come up with all these different ideas, and people straight away go, no, no, no. 
But then I just went, why don't we just do Jesus? And they all looked at me shocked. They all said, what do you mean by that? How can we do Jesus? What do you mean? I mean, there's so much to say. And so in the end, I end up having to do it all. <laughs> they end up coming to me to plan it all, the stage, and then I did it, and we did it, and it worked out really well. But it amazes me sometimes how often we actually look around, look at other parts of the Bible instead of Jesus. And so today I want us to focus on that, actually focus on what it means to be a Christian, what it is actually that we have faith in. And so all this, like I say, focus on the idea of what is our salvation to this letter. And so I'm going to do look at a few verses at a time, I'm going to actually explore what each of those verses is saying, what Paul is saying in his letter, what God might have to say to us today. And so the first five verses, we're painting a picture of the actual readers, the original readers, the original audience in Rome. And we're painting a few things, we see a few things. We see they've got access to God, that actually they've been saved. Actually they have this hope in God. They've been justified, which means they've been made just, they've actually been absolved of some crime they've done. They'd been cleared by the cross. And they'd heard that gospel, and they'd actually accepted it, and so they were now saved. But we also see another part of the picture. It's actually these believers are in trouble. There's something going on. Because it talks about perseverance, and the character and hope. It's talking about something is going on that's not quite right. And we don't know exactly what persecution this was. As it's about ten years before the big persecution of Nero, but it's clear that things are not all going well in Rome. And so Paul is encouraging them to develop perseverance and character and hope. And so often we actually sort of skim past these words, don't we? And so look at them, list them off, and get on to the next part of the passage. But actually, what are those words all on about? What are they saying to us? But for me, when I was thinking about that, one idea that I felt was the idea of a maze. And who here has ever been stuck in a maze? Quite a few of you. A few of you. I can hear a few people going, yes. And who got angry in a maze when they got stuck there? I know at least one person I was in this church. is over there. He's put his hand up. And I was with him, so I know all about it. But mazes are incredibly frustrating things, aren't they? You get stuck in there. You think, actually, if I go down this route, I'll get out of that maze. Then you see this wall is in the way, don't you? In our case, it's a hedge. But you see this problem and you're thinking, how do I get out? And you have to actually persevere. And you have to develop that character. Okay, you might be in a maze, but you still don't develop the idea that actually, that's the situation I'm in. How do I get out of it? And the same thing with these believers today. You know, in, in the time of Rome, they were actually trying to work out what was the situation, how do they deal with it. And so you have to go around, don't you? You have to learn and have a bit of patience at times. And then you get that bit of hope, don't you? When you start seeing a bit of a light, you see that you're coming out of that maze, find these along the outer walls. Soon you'll be at the exit again. And it's like that with these people. Paul is actually reminding them of the hope they have in Jesus. That actually, although things are not quite going right, they do have a hope. A hope in Jesus. And actually, ultimately, whatever happens, whether or not they, they die because of these persecutions, or they just die anyway, but the fact is, whatever happens to them, they have this hope that goes beyond just the world. But actually, when they die, they will go and be united with God and be united with Jesus, who they put their hope and their faith in. And on Friday night, I actually had a youth group as well. We, we looked at the idea of patience. And this really fitted in again, because we looked at a bit of this passage. But actually, because I'm, I'm the um, senior youth leader of, of Helmshaw Christian Fellowship, I run the group every single week, and I've been running it for about six months now. 
And actually, we had this, when we look at the fruits of the Spirit, we had this topic which was a patience, because that's one of the fruits. And what we did, we blindfolded the children, we should have done it today really, but we blindfolded the children, and they had before them a box with um, shapes cut out, and they had to put the shapes back in. And I'll read you some of the times of the kids. We had five minutes and 48 seconds. That was a good, that, that was, no, that was actually quite a good time. I don't know. They had another one, four and a half minutes. Their best one was two minutes and 30 seconds. We then got one of the leaders to do it, and she gave up after six minutes having only done half of it. So she wasn't too good. And then me and uh, Glenn, which is the minister of Helmshore, we were playing and we had a bit more patience than the rest of them. And after a few tries, Glenn got down to 1 minute 30, no, I got down to 1 minute 39 seconds. Glenn got down to 1 minute 28. So next week I'm going to have to beat him. But the idea of that puzzle though, a lot of them just went straight in trying to fit it in and just stuck like a, a duck where the tree should be and this sort of stuff and left it all hanging out. They couldn't put it in because they couldn't see it and they just gave up. And the next thing you know, they, they came you know, to get them back afterwards because they had to try and sort it out. And actually me and Glenn would just sort of put it on, we felt, we checked what all the shapes were, and you slowly put them in. Next thing you know, you know, you've, you know you've got five trees, you've got two ducks, you've got three cars, and a house and a person. And so you, you get into the system, you get all the trees, and you go through and you actually did it really quick. Because actually if you have patience, if you hold back and realise the situation you're in, things can actually be a lot easier than they seem. You know, these believers were actually getting agitated by this, and Paul was saying, but remember you've got a hope. Remember this is the situation you're in, but you've got hope. But now you need to get that character in between though, because you need that character to actually go through this and accept what you are in, what the situation is. And he reminds them of the Holy Spirit as well. That actually God has poured that Holy Spirit into their hearts. It's poured the love of God and the Holy Spirit into their hearts. And I know with, with Paul in one of his other writings, he actually talks about the Holy Spirit being a mark, a mark of ownership on your head. And it marks you out and separates you from God. Yeah, it separates you out for God, I mean. <laughs> But, you know, that's, I wouldn't be surprised if that was on Paul's mind at the time. But actually these believers, because they have the Holy Spirit, they have that love of God inside them. They were set apart for God in this world, in this situation they're in. And so I remind them again of the hope, and also remind them that regardless of what happens, God will not disappoint. Because God is over all of that, and God is the one who can deliver them from that situation. So now I wanted to look on to verse 6 to 8, because here... I think there's a shift of focus. Because you just have verse 1 to 5, he's looking at the audience, addressing them, telling them about their situation, actually telling us as well, and preparing them for what they're stuck in. But then 6 to 8 seems to almost move away a bit from them, and actually focus on Christ instead, and focus on God, and actually what the message of Christianity is. Because here, we are actually posed that question of whether or not we would die for anybody. Would we die for a good man? Would we die for an alright man? Would we die for a bad man perhaps? But actually Paul's saying you wouldn't even die for a good man. Maybe you might do. And maybe part of this again is Paul actually addressing this situation saying you might have to do that. We don't know but certainly Paul actually challenges that idea. How much love have you got? Have you got a love like God? Would you die for a good man? And then he actually, when he rebukes them and shows how selfish they are and the fact that they might do it, but they wouldn't die for the rest, 
And then it says, but remember about Christ. Christ died at just the right time. Christ died when we were his enemies. When we were the bad people, actually Christ died for us. You know, we, we might die for a good person, but actually the love of God is even greater than us. Because the love of God is so much, actually he died for us, even though we were not in relationship with him, even though we ignored him, even though we didn't even regard him or thank him. And so because of this though, Christ has opened up a way for us now, a way of reconciliation, a way of back to God. I like to term in a way, a, a way of rediscovery, where we actually discover what it means to be more than just human and actually be the people of God again. Actually what that meant, what sort of situation we were in at the start before we fell. The idea that actually we can come back to God and we can rediscover what that is all about. And that's a lifelong journey. None of us are going to finish that whilst we're alive. We'll finish it when we arrive in heaven. That's why we have the I Can Only Imagine song. We're looking at the idea of actually Christ and what he's done, but also looking at the future as well. And actually what our future holds for us. It's a voyage of rediscovery until we enter back into Christ's kingdom. And actually, you know, that, that voyage of rediscovery will be aided in that, though, as well, by God, because we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our strengthener. Because actually, so often we, we need that help, don't we? Because so often we mess up and make mistakes. And also, the great thing about the reconciliation is actually, it doesn't matter how long we've been away from God. It doesn't matter how far we've gone, what have we have done. It's a bit like with the snooker cue and the lad earlier. You turn around, you might, have done some, you might have done some hurt, but actually you turn around and there's a joyous welcome for you. A great welcome of love and joy. We're told about that in the Bible, the prodigal son. But actually, he went away all that time. But when he came back, he was just as welcome as before. And that's the same with God. No matter how far we go, whatever we do, we are just as welcome now as we were then. And we'll always be just as welcome. Christ will be there ready with his arms to just hold us and actually welcome us back into his kingdom. And that's a great, the great hope we have, isn't it? That's why Paul is actually saying about the great love of God in compared to ours. Because it's so amazing. That's the hope we now have. That actually, when we, could, when we come back to God, he's there, ready to welcome us just as before. That actually he's there for us, ready to accept us. And so he makes that very clear difference between us. And that for me is always a great uplifter. I don't know if it's an uplifter for you, but whenever I'm down, I'll turn to this passage. Because what I see here is a God who doesn't need us. A God who didn't need to do anything he did. A God that actually could have just chucked us on the, on the uh, you know, rubbish tape. He could have given up on us. And he doesn't need us. And we, we really need him. But actually, he still loves us. Even when we don't recognize it, God still loves us. And he's still there for us. And I just love that. When I, I can just turn to that passage. And I can just see that God loves me God loves you, and God loves all of us who are here today, and all of us who are not here, all of us who are out there, actually we are called to share that message with. God loves everybody, no matter what we've done and where we're at, God is ready to welcome us back into his arms again. There's two last things I want to look at that before we move on to the next few verses, which one, it was God's initiative. Actually, God brought it about, didn't he? We didn't go up to God and say, can we be friends with you again? Can we make some sort of a treaty and sort things out? Actually, God came to us. We didn't realise we needed God. But actually, God is that loving parent who knows what we need. And actually came back to us. You know, so often we think we don't need that, don't, don't we? Or we think we do need it sometimes. You know, it's a bit like with, with kids when they want a certain gift and actually the loving parent knows he doesn't need it. Or sometimes when the kid wants to go a certain way and do something and actually the parent knows that actually that's just going to lead into trouble or lead into, into problems. 
He's the same God, he's that loving parent that actually knows best for us. And actually is ready to care for us. And actually, so he took it on himself. He made the initiative and actually gave for his son for us. He came to us and actually saved us. Another part of that is actually, the second part I was going to mention is actually that only God could do it. Only God has the power over Satan and evil and all the powers of this world, anything like that. God has the power over all that and only God can deliver. And this passage so often reminds us actually the difference between human hopes and the hope in God. Because these people have a hope, but it's not a hope in Paul. It's not a hope in anybody. It's actually a hope in God. And that stands separate to everything else because God's hope, having a hope in God is something that stands above any human hope because it's the one that will always deliver. That God is the only one who can deliver and he's the only one who's faithful and will actually always deliver when we ask him to do something or when he promises something to us. Because so often we can put our hope in somebody, can't we? We can hope that somebody's going to do something like today. I had to hope that my parents remembered to bring my cue because I forgot it. And they did. But actually, that's just hoping that they can get here. You know, that, that's just a hope in one person. But actually, God's hope is way beyond that. God's hope will always deliver. There's no worry, there's no need to pray. Will he actually arrive? Because of God it will. God actually does deliver. Because God is the only one who can fully deliver and the only one who can actually save us as well. The one who actually says, I'm going to do something. And he does it. And then in the last few verses, verses 9 to 11, we get that phrase again, don't we? Since we've been justified. And there it almost seems to switch back to the audience again. And she switches back to the readers and says, since we have been justified. For the first time he said it, it says, since we have been justified through faith. We've been justified by the faith in Christ. That was what it said, wasn't it? But now it actually says, since we've been justified by his blood. I just wonder, what does that mean? I mean, does it mean that Paul suddenly changed it? Actually now they're justified by something else at the end? No. It actually, it's actually focused on another part of what our justification is, what we are you know, made right in. And it's Christ's blood. And there we get that, that echo back to the cross. And actually by Christ dying on the cross, by shedding his blood for us, we are now clean. We can now be redeemed. We are brought back. We are saved. We are renewed. We are cleansed by the blood of Christ. And we are justified as well. That actually, because of Christ's blood, we can come back to God and God will accept us because we will be righteous to him through the blood of Christ. And also then it, it talks about actually, you know, about the life as well, because the salvation doesn't stop at the death, doesn't stop at the cross. That isn't where our salvation is just in, just in the cross. But it's also in the fact that God raised Jesus up after three days, that Christ came back to life, that Christ was resurrected, a great power, a great disarmament. If you look in some of the, some of the passages of the Bible, it talks about how the powers were disarmed. And overthrown because God actually triumphs over evil, the devil, everything. And He broke that power and He raised Christ up. And so now our faith doesn't just stop at the cross, but it carries on because Christ is there on behalf of us with God again. Christ is there standing between us and God, and actually through Christ we are saved even more through His through His resurrection. Because now it isn't a matter we say sorry once and then that's it. It's gone. It's finished because it's only happened once. It's actually we can say sorry over 
and over and over again because Christ is there in heaven pleading on our behalf to God. That actually, through Christ, we can come back to God again and again when we mess up. Now that isn't a VIP pass to sin. is isn't, you know, you can do whatever you want. Sin, because actually if you say sorry at some point, it'll be okay. It is more than just that. It's actually when we are 100% sorry, when actually we say truly we are sorry and we actually come back to God, that actually we can be forgiven once more. Because that is so important that actually we do mean it. And one thing I always do, maybe recommend it for you also today, is actually when I pray, I'll pray for the conscious and the unconscious sins. I'll pray for what I know I've done wrong, but I'll pray just in case there's something else I've done wrong. Because like with, that, with the video we had at the start, you know, God's measures are so beyond ours because He's so righteous, that actually some things we might view as not being too bad is still a sin. And actually when I remember looking, what was starting me with doing that sort of prayer was actually through looking in the Old Testament and God reminds Israel to actually sacrifice for any conscious or unconscious sins. Because actually, we, we do sin at times, and sometimes we're not aware of it, but we're still guilty. And so I always make sure I pray that, because actually, I want God to know I'm 100% sorry, and actually want to know that I didn't mean to do whatever I did. And I also ask that Christ will help me more, because actually for that Holy Spirit that Paul has promised, we have that to help us actually live more like God wants us to live. We have the Holy Spirit that strengthens us, and that cleanser that actually empowers us and helps us to be more than just us people we were before we had Christ. It actually gives us the power to try and be like God's people, try and aim for that goal that God wants for us. And so we have that, we have that actual firm hope now, don't we, in, in God, that actually through the death of Christ we've been saved, also through the life of Christ, through the resurrection of Christ, we can come back to God over and over again. And God is there ready to love us and welcome us back into his arms again. And finally, we're taught to rejoice in God. Because he made all this happen. We didn't do it. It was actually God, again, is an initiative, as is so often said. God came and did these things. And because of that, we now have reconciliation. This idea that actually we can come back to God. We have been reconciled. We've been brought back to God. Because of what God did with Christ. We have a reconciliation. I challenge us today to actually hold on to this hope with both hands. Hold on to it. Because that's the hope we have. And we need to have that through our lives. Because... It ain't over till it's over. No, it carries on right until the end. I was on a Rocky film, weren't it? The last Rocky film. It ain't over till it's over. The idea it carries on to the last bell. We actually carry on right to the end because we need to keep on coming back to God again and again and actually holding on to God and holding on to that hope and asking for His Holy Spirit to come down to us and actually empower us and help us to live that life. And so the challenge is to hold it on with both hands. But actually those hands also share with other people. Actually, give it to other people. Don't just hold it in yourself. Don't just put it in the closet and put it away. And you take it out every Sunday along with the suit. You know, you don't just put it away. But actually, share it throughout the week. You share it with other people. You let everybody know, actually, the great love and grace of God and actually what he's done. You know, his grace, actually, despite what we did, Christ still loves us. You know, God still loves us and he gave his son for us. That reward that we just didn't deserve. But actually, because of that great grace and love, and come back to God. And so, hold on to it with both hands also share with everybody else and let the world know that great love and grace let's just pray now before we come to worship and well we're going to do some more prayers and then come to worship God Lord I pray thank you for today I pray Lord that you'll, you'll speak to us with this word that actually it won't just stop here at the pulpit it won't just stop with me it won't just stop anybody else here that all of us in this church 
will be affected by his word, myself included, and actually through this, we can grow to become more of what you want us to be, Lord. Actually, through your great grace and love, you can empower us, and with your spirit, you can empower us and actually help us to live for you and live in a way that glorifies your name and to share with all people in the world, Lord. Amen.